Good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. It's great to he- actually hear people say good morning. You know, I've, I've kind of gone insane the last few months talking to some of the stuffed animals that are in my office, I guess. You know, you got to do whatever you got to do. But uh, it's great to see everybody here in person, and it's great to see everybody uh, be a part of this experience with everybody online. Um, and real quick, I just want to say through this pandemic, can, real quick, can we give a, a round of applause to Pastor Brandon? He's been doing, he's been doing some awesome stuff throughout this entire thing. Um, he is, he is, he's had so much he's had to deal with and he's led, led us through it so well. Um, there's been times where, you know, he's saying, Hey, we've got to cover this. We've got to cover this. But there's also times where he just sits back. And I remember a couple of weeks ago on a meeting, he just stopped the meeting to encourage myself and Aaron and Mike. And can we give a, one more round of applause for Aaron and Mike as well? I mean, they, that's, they are doing amazing things. Um, you know, they, uh, I remember when I first got here, they were talking about getting brand new video equipment so we can uh, be a part, uh, reach the online community effectively. And, you know, they're talking about these video switchers and OBA, all these words, I have no idea what they mean. And so I'm sitting in these meetings and they're talking about who knows what. And, you know, not only did they have to figure out what they need, they had to figure out how to put it all together. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, Aaron's in charge of doing 60 different videos a week. And so they just did, they've done so much. And I'm just so excited to be a part of this team who is, is just doing everything they can to make our, our worship experience as great as it is today. Um, so my topic today is um, on the question of why. So Brandon talked about how good is good enough last week. And my question is why. I woke up this morning asking myself that question. I woke up at 4 a.m. and I had a terrible nightmare. Um, I uh, had woke. I had, I had a dream that I had shown up late for church, which is bad because I'm the speaker. So that would have been that would have been rough. And actually, that's not really out of character for me to show up late to things. So I thought it was real when I woke up. Um, and not only that, I had my uh, khaki pants on. And as I'm walking out the door, um, I'm dog sitting for my parents. The dog threw up on my pants. So uh, I had to change the last minute, and so it left me asking the question, why? Um, just as I feel like a lot of us have asked the question, why, in different circumstances in our life. You know, why, why is God letting this happen to me? Why is God taking this person away from me? They meant so much. I needed this person in my life. I think there's been a lot of times where we have asked the question, why me? Why is this happening? Right? And I want to jump into a, a, a story in the Bible of, of the one man, if anyone had the right to actually ask that question, it was this character. His name is Job. So the story of Job, if you're not familiar with it, Job, uh, he was this, he, I would call him in the, in the uh, wealthy class. He, he was well off. He had uh, a wife and he had some great kids. He had plenty of farmland. He had animals. He had a lot of things going for him. He had a lot of workers that he had great relationships with. And out of, out of nowhere, it was all taken away from him. He lost his family. He lost his farmland. All of his animals died. His workers passed away. The only ones that had lived were the ones that were there reporting everything that had been gone. Uh, and then not, not just that, but he lost his health too. Uh, he got really sick. He started to get to the point where it was hard for him to breathe. Um, it would hurt. It, just breathing would hurt him. Uh, he, um, he had this rash, these boils all over his body. And we get to the story and he's just laying in the dirt and he's asking God, why is this happening to me? Just like some of us have been in, we've always, I've all asked that question. 
And so while he's waiting for God to answer this question, he calls three of his friends. I say calls. I don't know how you contacted people back then, but he contacted three of his friends, carrier pigeon or something. And uh, the three, uh, the, his three friends decided to come and, and uh, uh, try and give an, a response as to what might be happening. And so this was actually tough. I memorized the three people's names because Old, Old Testament Bible characters have some crazy names. It was the three friends he called were named Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. So Eliphaz, uh, he was more of like the old time, this old time wise preacher guy that, that you could go to and, and just ask a question and he knows the answer. Like he knows it all. Uh, the next one, Bildad, he was this middle-aged guy, probably Job's age. Um, he would have been acting as like a, uh, an accountability partner or a mentor for, for Job. And then the last one is named Zophar. Zophar was this young single guy. He's probably like me who's you know, calling Mike, Mike, uh, worship team leader Mike and saying, hey, it's 9 p.m., let's watch all of the Harry Potters right now, back to back to back. And he's saying, I've got kids who are going to wake me up at 4 in the morning, so we're not going to do that. He's, uh, he's just, he's uh, single as a Pringle. He's having a good time, but uh, he, he's just a really good friend of Job. So Job, uh, Job calls him and, and asks him to, to come down and be a part of, of, of this, this moment. And so uh, the three of them, uh, they all give some kind of different answers as to what's going on. And we're going we're gonna to dive into those three answers real quick. The first one is from Eliphaz, that old wise preacher guy. Uh, so if we jump into to Job chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Job chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. So this is what Eliphaz has to say in response to Job asking, why is this happening to me? He says, a word was brought to me in secret, and my ears heard a whisper of it. It was during a nightmare when people are deep in sleep. I was trembling with fear and all my bones were shaking. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. The spirit stopped, but I could not see what it was. A shape stood before my eyes, and I heard a quiet voice. It said, Can a man be more right than God? Can a person be pure before his maker? And so I heard this. I heard, just imagine if you are in this incredible pain, like it hurts to breathe. And this is what's said to you. It reminded me back to when I was in fifth grade. So I, I remember I had this, this history teacher, U.S. history teacher, Mrs. Newsbomber. Miss Newsbomber on Monday, she would tell us that, uh, that on Friday we were going to take a test. And those questions were going to be all written response. So on Monday, she would write down the questions. We would copy down the questions. And then she would write down the answers. And so the whole week, our job was to memorize the questions that were asked. Uh, that way, when the test came, we would just know what to write. I was a terrible student, so my goal was to cheat as much as possible. So I would write down the answers, and then I would like keep that paper somewhere handy to where you can see it. Um, and I remember one specific test when she had taken that, she found it, and she had took it away, and she just said, good luck, uh, knowing that I was not going to pass the test. And I got to the point where, you know, you see a question, and you have no idea what the answer is, so you just start writing anything that comes to your mind, right? You just start writing 50 different things. It's like from Billy Madison when he's talking about the Industrial Revolution, and he compares it to the story, the puppy who lost his way, right? Uh, I mean, I had no idea what to write, so I'm just writing anything that comes to mind. I remember getting my test back, and I looked at this one specific question that had an arrow to it, and she had written, 
this is not right. This is not even wrong. And I think what she was saying is, in order for the statement to even be wrong, it had to be have to do with the topic that was even mentioned. And so she was saying, this doesn't even make any sense with the question that you were answering. And I think about what Eliphaz had said. And, you know, Job's saying, why am I suffering? And Eliphaz says, I had, I had this, I felt the wind and my hair stood up and I felt the spirit say this, like, that's just not, he, so he goes on and he, he, Job 6.21, he says, you have been no help to me. That's what he says. But I, I mean, when you think about it, I think that this is probably a response that a lot of us would give. If, uh, if somebody came to you and said, man, I am struggling with something. I've been, I've been hurting. I don't know why this is happening. The first thing I do is I always say, I know how you feel. I've been there before. And then we start relating that to a story about something we've done before. I remember very recently a student had asked me to show up to his house and, and we, he wanted to talk and, and we chatted for a while and uh, he was telling me what was going on and I said, I've been in that situation before. I, I know how you feel. And he stopped me and he said, Taylor, you don't know how I feel. This is, this is, you don't, you don't know what this is like. And and he was very, he was very correct. I, I didn't know what he was going through. And so what I chose to do instead was to start asking some good questions and start to let him express what was going on in his life. Let him, show, let him speak for himself. So Eliphaz gives this answer that Job is not satisfied with. The next one to go is the middle-aged mentor accountability partner, Bildad. Bildad speaks up in chapter 11. Get a turn to it. Verses 3 through 6. This is what... Oh, sorry, that's Zophar. I'm so sorry. Let me go back. Job chapter 8. Job chapter 8, verses 8 through 13. This is, what, this is what Bildad says. He says, Ask old people. Find out what their ancestors learned. Because we were only born yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are only a shadow. And then he goes on to say this. Papyrus plants cannot grow where there is no swamp. And reeds cannot grow tall without water. While they are still growing and not yet cut, they will dry up quicker than grass. And he keeps on going. And he keeps, what he's doing is he's giving these philosophical statements. Right? And, and the, a lot of, in a lot of ways, these are very true statements. And so to parallel it, it would be similar to, to me saying... Uh, to you who's eating your third donut and I say you are what you eat watch out you know and so that's not going to stop you from eating that third donut am I right you're gonna you're gonna do it you're gonna you're gonna do it so saying something that is probably true but you don't really care that's not really helpful it's like saying an apple a day keeps the doctor away we've probably all heard that but I'm assuming none of us are eating an apple every single day Um, so Bildad is giving these very philosophically true statements that um, don't really hold a lot of weight. And so I kind of parallel it again to this. It's like if I go to a student and I start talking about the importance of reading your Bible and journaling and doing these things. Those are all very true. But unless I'm still there walking with them and saying, hey, let's get breakfast tomorrow and, and just read together. Or, hey, can we pray together? Unless I'm actually going forward with action, the words don't really mean anything. And that's what Job points out later on. He, he starts talking about how our words without action don't mean anything. And the last to speak is Zophar, the young single guy in Job chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. 
Zophar says this. He says, your lies do not make people quiet. People should correct you when you make fun of God. You say, my teachings are right, and I am clean in God's sight. I wish God would speak and open his lips against you and tell you the secrets of wisdom, because wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sins. So what he's saying is, Job, you're not going to listen to anything we say. I don't even know why I'm here. That's, he's getting very frustrated at Job. Uh, and I don't think I really need to say it because we all know that if, if you just speak to somebody and say, hey, you suck, this is, you're not doing this. Uh, Job's response back is, well, when you pass away, we can actually find wisdom again. That's his response. And so um, he, reply, he gives anger back to anger. And so you know, he, the three of them give these answers that Job is just not satisfied with. But then the thing that they do next is, I think, one of the most valuable things that they could have done. It says that they just sat in silence with Job for seven days. They just sat in silence with Job for seven days and let Job speak and let Job process things. See, I think, I think silence is one of the most valuable tools we have. And listening is one of the most valuable tools we have. I want to give you a, a quick story. You know, I know when you uh, were, everyone, when they're a little kid um, and you're shooting hoops out in your backyard, everybody wants to be like Michael Jordan or like Kobe Bryant. And you have three seconds on the clock and you shoot a layup and you miss it. But somehow two seconds appeared back up on the clock. So you grab the ball and you shoot it again, but you miss it. But you got fouled, right? So you get to shoot a free throw and you make it and you win the game, right? Everybody wanted to be like Michael Jordan or like Kobe Bryant or whoever it was for you. For me, I'm a, I'm a diehard Southern Wells Raider. I was born and raised in Southern Wells area, and, and I love Southern Wells still. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be like Lucas Hamilton. He was this phenomenal basketball player at Southern Wells. And, and so when I was in the backyard, I was Lucas Hamilton or I was Tanner Pribble shooting three-pointers, whatever it was. Uh, but I didn't just do basketball. I also did cross-country. Right, And so Lucas also did cross-country. He was significantly older than me. I was young when he was in high school. And uh, I just always admired him and his teammates running. I, w- I wanted to strive to be like Lucas. He was much better of a, I was a much better runner than I was. But he was, he was the guy I idolized. And I was starstruck by that whole team. And so you, some of you guys will laugh at me. The head coach of that time, I was also starstruck by it, was Gary McFerrin. Uh, <laughs> So when I got into high school, he was no longer the coach. I had coach Philip Rhodes. But uh, I remember one day, Gary and Rhonda had shown up on my senior night to watch me run. Now, senior night in cross country isn't that important. Uh, we only had one home meet. So our first home meet was senior night, right? So we still had two-thirds of the season to go. It was just very early on in the season. But I remember seeing Gary in the distance, being starstruck, and then I see Rhonda and she's just telling me, like, hey, Taylor, we haven't made it to a ton of your meets, but we're, we're reading the paper, and we see your times every week, and we're checking the online times, and you, you did this last week. We were so encouraged. Like, I don't even remember my times, and she's remembering my times, you know? But I, I, I saw Gary in the distance, but I wasn't able to talk to him. I really wanted to. And uh, the race starts, and uh, the, the, our course is, like, this long straightaway, and then you come right back, and it's a really good spot for the parents to stand because you'll get to see your kid run four times. So that's where all the parents are standing. And I get kind of like a Job moment where I hear the crowd, and they're saying things like, 
run faster, Taylor, pick up the pace. It's like, you telling me to pick up the pace is not going to make me run any faster, okay? It's not going to help. So I hear all these people telling me these things, and it sounds like, sounds like Zophar talking to me. And if I'm Job, I'm, I'm miserable right now. I just need to get through it. Uh, and I didn't see Gary. I, I, I was looking for him specifically. I didn't see him. I had assumed he was uh, on the swing set with his grandkids or something, having fun. And I didn't see him. And then I get back to this one area where nobody stands because it's the furthest point away. You'll only see the person run one time. And, and then you'd have to dart back to get to the finish line. So it's, it's really no one's ever there. But I saw Gary over there. And that's when I'm like, whoa, it's Gary McFerrin. He's watching me run. And I get to the point, and that's where I, even if Gary says, pick up the pace, I'm going to listen to whatever he says, okay? Like, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. He could have, I mean, he could have even said that cliche, like, I was in the lead. He could have said, like, oh, you're, you're not running to beat somebody. You're running for time. You know, he could have said any of those cliche philosophical things that, that really don't hold a lot of weight. But instead, what he did was he just stuck his hand out and gave me a high five and didn't say a single word. And I felt so encouraged and I felt so excited because he was just there to watch me run. He wasn't there to tell me what to do or to anything like that, but he was just there to, to watch me do what I love. He was just there to, to, to watch and be a part of it. And I think that silence says so much more than words like, like what we've seen already. Silence can be so powerful. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. But anyways, these three guys, they, they end up leaving, and Job asks again, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why is this happening? And in Job chapter 11, or sorry, Job chapter 38, God answers the question. So verse 1, it says, then the Lord answered Job. So right there we think, okay, God's going to tell us why is this happening. But instead of telling Job why it's happening, he asks him 63 continuous questions. Questions like, Where were you when I made the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off how big it should be? Surely you know. Who stretched a ruler across it? What were the earth's foundations set on? Or who put, it, who put its cornerstone in place? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted with joy. What he's saying is, is I created all of this. I am in control of this situation. Let me be in control. There's a verse in scripture that says that God's ways are higher than our ways. And God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The best way I can describe that, that verse to you is like this. There was a man who he did not believe in God and he, um, he, he, didn't, he, he, he thought it was very illogical to believe in God. So he was sitting under this acorn tree, right? or this walnut tree, and he's asking this question. He picks up a walnut from the tree, and he, he sees this tiny little walnut, and he says, there's no way a God exists. There's no way God would make this massive-sized tree and just create these tiny little walnuts. And then right in front of him was this uh, vine that had these massive-sized watermelons. So he's saying, you know, there's no way God would make a big tree with tiny walnuts and a small vine with big watermelons. And then right then, an acorn fell from the tree, a walnut fell from the tree and hit him in the head. And he said, thank God that wasn't a watermelon. <laughs> I think a lot of times we think that we know better than God, but God's saying, I am in control. I know what's best. 
And so the first point I want to make is God shows up in each of our lives as a creator and a designer. He is the one who designed each one of us. He made us perfect. He made us perfect. He didn't mess up when he made any of us. He knows what he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He created it all and he's in control. The second thing I want to talk about is is God shows up as our revealer and our comforter. Right? There's a story, in, a parable in scripture where Jesus is talking about how he is like a shepherd. Where there's, there's 100 sheep and one goes away. And for a shepherd, 99 out of 100 is pretty good, a pretty good ratio to keep. But instead of, instead of just sticking with the 99, it says Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he will go after the one, no matter where they are. No matter what circumstance you're in, God is with you. God's, God is, he's got the whole wide world in his hands. We all know that song. But he cares about you individually in, your, any, in any circumstance you're in. He cares about what you're going through, what, what struggles you're battling. He's, he cares about it. But not only does he care about it, God shows up as our mediator and our savior. What does that mean? Does it, that means that when, when we ask God, what are, why are you doing this to me, God? Why is this happening? God's not just this massive in the sky cloud God who's saying this is happening because this, this is happening because you messed up. But God is our mediator. And what that means is that God put on flesh. The Bible says that Jesus, although he was God, chose to become a human and dwell in the midst of us. So Jesus felt temptation, just like you and I feel temptation. He lost one of his best friends. And there's one of the most impactful verses in scripture. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He felt sadness. He felt hunger. He felt pain. He felt temptation. He felt the same hurts that each one of us feel. And so when God answers us, he's not answering us as this guy who's distant from us, but a guy who has been in the situation that we are in and is in the midst of it with us. There's another story where Jesus tells where he's, he's preaching to these crowds and he, uh, he decides that it's time to take a break. So they're on this, they're on this land and they want to, there's a land, a body of water and they want to go to the other side. So Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side. I believe that's exactly where God wants to take us. Uh, so they, the 12 disciples and Jesus get on the boat. Um, Jesus immediately, he's pretty tired. He goes to the bottom of the boat and he starts, he takes a nap. And the 12 disciples, a lot of these guys were fishermen, uh, worked on the water. They knew how to sail a boat to a different side of a different body, a different body of land. And so they start sailing. And right then, these massive waves start crashing onto the, onto the boat. And they, it's so bad that they don't know what to do. They're, they can't even right now, if, if some of the high school students, to, to help them understand it. They can't even right now. Like they're, they feel like they're about to die. They feel like... We can't, get, we can't get enough water out of this boat. There's no way we're going to make it to the other side. And I think a lot of us feel like that in our circumstances. We feel like maybe it's a financial burden or maybe it's a, an addiction that we've been battling. We feel like there's no way I can change. There's no way I can, I can change my circumstances. And just right at that moment, they go down to Jesus, who is somehow still asleep on the boat, he, they go and they say, Jesus, we need your help. Where are you? The same question that Job asked, the same question that we all asked. God, Jesus, where are you? And just like that, Jesus snaps his fingers and he tells the waves to stop. 
and they do. And they make it to the other side. I believe that we, we are given struggles and we are given temptations and we're given these things to point us in a deeper relationship with God, to build our faith in Him. I believe that no pain goes unnecessary. It's no unnecessary pain. One more story I want to share. Well, one more point I want on the screen is that the answer is not propositional. There's no answer that I can just give you and say, this is why, this is why pain and suffering happens. The answer is relational. It's a relationship with Jesus. Brandon talked about it last week. And I want to share one more story. There was a, a man in his early 30s. He, uh, he had just lost his wife. And they had a little girl who was four years old. And the little girl asked, Dad, why, why did mom have to go away so early? Why did, why did God have to take her away? And he thought for a while, and they're in the car on their way to the grave, graveside service, and just then a, a, a semi passes the car, and it's tall enough to where it blocks the sun, so the shadow is in the, in the vehicle. And so he asks his daughter, he said, would you rather have been hit by the semi or hit by the shadow of the semi? And the little girl says, I would rather have been hit by the shadow of the semi. And he says, that's exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus came to earth. He suffered and he struggled. And he, just like Brandon said last week, he lived a perfect life that we did not. And he took the nails and he took the beating and he took the pain and he took the eternal consequence that we deserved on himself. And he offers each one of us a free gift of eternal life with him forever. Eternity means forever. Eternal life with God forever. And if you've never made that decision, I want to urge you to do that right now because a relationship with Jesus is the best decision you can make. If you don't know how to do that, find somebody. Find myself or Mike or Aaron or Brandon or or somebody here. I want to challenge you guys to start a relationship with Jesus today. If you have questions, just like the just like our promo said, questions aren't bad. Questions will point you into a deeper relationship with Jesus if you just dive in. And I want to challenge you to dive into a deeper relationship with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all of the ways you've shown up in each one of our lives, God. There's countless number of things we can be thankful for. God, I know that there's so many of us who are, who are battling a struggle, who are battling an addiction, who are battling something. And are just asking why. And God, I just pray that you reveal, God, that that is bringing us closer to a relationship with you. God, we're growing deeper in a relationship with you. And I pray that you will reveal that to us in a unique way this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.